Thanks, Rob. Well, like Rob said, my husband, uh, Stephen, and I are church planting in Providence. We've been there for about six months. We're in the early stages of starting a new church there, and uh, it's been fun. It's always a good thing when ministry is fun. We, uh, we have a small group that's meeting at our house. Um, it's been a good time of fellowship, hearing from the Holy Spirit together. Uh, I started a book club that's actually been very successful. We read books on social justice, actually, race, poverty, human trafficking, and that's been a great way to get to know a bunch of people and engage in real conversation. Um, Stephen and I are just, yeah, out in the community, meeting people, getting to know people. We're doing a course uh, this month uh, called Seek, kind of an introduction to um, the basics of our faith. We're calling it Spirituality for the Curious. So actually, a lot of what I'm talking about today, I'll be talking about with our folks down in Providence uh, this coming Thursday. We're talking about prayer there too. So this is um, partly a uh, preview, and you guys can remember to pray for us uh, on Thursday if you feel like it. So it's good to be here this morning. Thank you to Rob uh, for your support, for inviting us uh, here, and for the support you've been to Stephen and me. And uh, yeah, it's just great to be here and talking about prayer this morning. We're going to be looking at three things this morning. First, what is prayer? What does prayer do? And then lastly, what's our attitude towards prayer? We're going to be looking at one of the harder prayers in the Bible this morning, the prayer of Jesus right before he died. I'm looking at that to kind of shed some light on these things for us. Uh, but would you pray with me as we start? Hmm. Jesus, we are thankful to you this morning. We are thankful for who you are, that we have a good, kind, loving, heavenly Father. We're thankful that you draw us to you in prayer. So we just open our hearts and our minds to you this morning. I pray, Father, that you would be teaching me about prayer this morning. Would you be opening me up to what you want to do uh, in me in prayer this morning? Um, would you open our hearts and our minds to your word? And would you just really teach us something new this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been uh, following Jesus for about half my life now. And I have uh, prayed about many things during the course of those years. Uh, I prayed about marrying Stephen. Three or four years ago, I, I prayed very, very earnestly, very sincerely. I said, God, should I marry Stephen Watson? And I didn't really feel like God was saying yes. I didn't, I didn't hear him saying no. I kind of felt like, like he was saying, really, Sarah, is this a real question? I said, I know, I know, it's a silly question. We both know the answer is yes. Silly question. But I wouldn't be who I am, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't believe that God speaks to us in little and big ways. In the Bible, pretty much everyone who's a good guy in the Bible hears from God. All the major characters do. Take, take Mary. God spoke to Mary. I know this is going to come as a bit of a shock, since you're a virgin and all, but you're going to get pregnant, have a baby, and guess what? He's going to be the son of God. Then, of course, God also had to speak to Joseph, clarify some things. But that's the story of Christmas, right? God communicating with people. And pretty much every other story in the Bible features 
God communicating with people. So I feel like that's got to mean something for us, that the picture of faith we have is, a, is an interactive picture of faith. Maybe one way to look at it is to ask, if God is always speaking to us, maybe the only question is whether we're tuning him in or out. I think maybe what we're talking about today uh, is how to tune him in, kind of as if we're fiddling with a radio. And this is as pertinent to me right here, right now, as it is to someone who's never set foot inside a church, right? We have a loving God who wants to interact in our lives, who wants to guide us, help us, bring us peace and comfort. And the only question is whether we're tuning him in or not. This really is what prayer is all about. Some people say, you know, we, I thought we were going to learn about prayer. You know, fold your hands, say the right words, get the good stuff from God. And instead, we're talking about listening and, and tuning and this mystical, like, ah, hearing from God. Why can't we just talk about normal prayer? This is normal prayer. Normal prayer is formal or informal communication with God. And that's why the first step is the radio, this radio image. Are we tuning God out? Are we just so busy with, with the things of life, with our own success, our own entertainment, the materialistic concerns of 21st century America? Are we tuning God out? Are we taking some time to, to focus, adjust some things in our hearts, get past some static in our hearing, and really tune in to God. Prayer isn't just about asking for things. One of the uh, Boston pastors who developed this seek course we're doing, he says that God is not interested in being our mysterious benefactor. He's not interested in that. He's interested in being our non-mysterious benefactor. He wants us to know who we're talking to, to know who's taking care of us and guiding us. Prayer is communicating with God. And that doesn't always mean some, some happy, let's chat with my best friend in heaven thing. That can be a very serious, deep thing. So we're going to look at a, a high-stakes, painful prayer that we find in the Bible. This is just going to kind of condense some of these things for us. Uh, so we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark today, chapter 14, verses uh, 32 through uh, 42. It's, a, um, it's an appropriate story as we head towards Easter. Jesus, uh, he knows that the uh, Jewish authorities are getting ready to kill him. Judas has left to betray him. Uh, he knows what's coming tomorrow, so he heads out uh, to pray with his disciples. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
he said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he prayed, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus comes to prayer in his darkest time. He's facing the cross, the intense physical pain, followed, he knows, by the intense spiritual pain of separation from God the Father. So he turns to prayer, which many of us do in in difficult times. His first words are, Abba, Father. He sees the Father as his loving, heavenly Father. The three of them, God the Father, himself, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, exist throughout eternity in in the unity of the Trinity. He knows who he's talking to. He knows him very well. And he declares that all things are possible for him. He, as he comes in this, this place of trust, this place of communicating openly with someone he knows, what is he asking the Father for? Well, many ha- people have suggested that he's, he's praying that the Father would, would spare him from the cross. He's, he's come to earth. He's had his ministry. He's told people that he will die on the cross. But you know, when, when push comes to shove... No one really wants to die on the cross, right? Jesus, Jesus is human as well as, as divine. No one wants to face that kind, of, that kind of pain and suffering. So this is understandable. Um, I have no problem with this interpretation. Um, Jesus' humanity showing through uh, a little bit more. But I don't think that's actually what Jesus is praying for. Jesus is quite clear on following through on their plan. When one of his disciples, Peter, Peter says to him, no, Jesus, I don't think you have to die. Jesus says that that idea is from Satan. So I don't think here he's asking for an idea that he called satanic earlier. In the book of John, Jesus, right before his death, John records Uh, Jesus at this time saying, um, praying and saying, now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Jesus basically says, how could I pray to be spared the cross when that's the very reason I came for? 
All right, so what is Jesus really asking for here? One of the best ways to to get clarity on, on difficult parts of the Bible is to ask what other parts of the Bible have to say about it. Luckily for us, the book of Hebrew comments on this passage for us, and the writer of Hebrews tells us uh, that in the days of his flesh, he, Jesus, offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard uh, because of his, his piety or his reverence for God, his relationship uh, with God. So you get what that says? Jesus prayed to the Father to save him from death, and the Father heard him. He was heard. Like, like God said, yes, right? He didn't ask to be spared the cross, and God said, sorry, no can do, you still got to go and do it. He said, yes. What Jesus is asking for here is for this cup to pass from him. The Greek word used here, uh, parapharo, is used uh, four other times in the New Testament, twice in this scenario in the um, Garden of Gethsemane, and then twice in other places. Uh, The book of Jude uses it to describe clouds passing by. The clouds are here, and then they're removed. I think Jesus is clear on his purpose What he's asking for is the cup to pass from him. He takes the cup, he holds onto it, and then it passes from him. He's asking to not hold the cup of suffering and death forever, but to have it removed from him at some point. I think what Jesus is praying for is actually his resurrection. Uh, Professor James James Rogers writes that the the author of Hebrews suggests a reading of Jesus' prayer in which the Father responds in an affirmative to his prayer, thereby saving him from death. Even though Jesus went to the cross and died, the author of Hebrews does not have Jesus asking God the Father to be spared from the cross Rather, the author has Jesus' prayer to be a request to be resurrected after dying on the cross. And that prayer, the father answers with a dramatic affirmative. He's not asking for something out of line with their plan for the salvation of humanity. He's asking for the glorious fulfillment of their plan for the salvation of humanity. His resurrection to bring us into resurrection life. So what does this tell us about prayer? What does Jesus at his his darkest time praying into, into his resurrection, what does that mean for us as we think about prayer? Well, I think at at Jesus' darkest time, in his hours in his hour of greatest need, greatest suffering, he was in tune with the Father, and he prayed the Father's will. And the answer is yes. Prayer for Jesus was something something beautiful and, and helpful and healthful that he turned to in his darkest hour. His, uh, his radio was tuned, so to speak. God would answer his prayer. God would take the cup of death and suffering from him. God would raise him in three days. I just think like 
This is super encouraging for us today. God hears our prayers. He responds to our prayers. He responded to Jesus' prayer in his most desperate, darkest time. Jesus prayed out of the the worst, the darkest, most terrible. He prayed the best and most beautiful. He knew the will of the Father, and resurrection came out of that. The, uh, the author Richard Foster writes that, that prayer is not forgetting our will done in heaven, but forgetting heaven's will done on earth. Like Jesus, we can pray knowing who God is. He is Abba, Father, our loving Heavenly Father. We can pray knowing what he does. Like Jesus saying, all things are possible for you. Being tuned in to what he's speaking to us, knowing his purpose, his purposes for restoration and salvation. And it changes things. Not because it gets our agenda done, but because it gets God's will done on earth. And then, then I think about how Jesus turned to prayer. Jesus' attitude towards prayer. His disciples turned to sleep. Understandably, they were tired. I would be too. Jesus turned to prayer. And thinking about our attitude towards prayer, I think there are two main images or metaphors that we frequently have for God. And our image of God really affects how we pray. Uh, The first kind of image we have for God is that of a boss. He's sitting up in heaven, and he has lots of rules for us. And many of them may be good rules. And he wants us to follow his rules. Well, that makes prayer kind of a job description. We have to pray. If we don't pray, something bad might happen. It's a requirement. You know with requirements, you don't want your boss not to catch you not doing your job description, right? This is really the predominant view of God that we have in our culture and in many cultures, really. And prayer is viewed as like a religious obligation, for Christians and non-Christians alike. But I think that that boss God is really the opposite of the Bible's God. Jesus suggests another image or metaphor for talking about God, that of a doctor. He says that he's come like a doctor and is interested in those people who want his help. He says that he came not for the healthy but for the sick. He's not here to boss us around, but to care for us and to guide us and help us have an abundant life. While bosses give orders, doctors give prescriptions, right? Doctors tell you what you should do to live a healthy life. Now, you don't always have to follow their prescriptions, right? I don't have to take, say my headache medicine. I can sit in a dark room with a throbbing headache and never touch the stuff. It's up to me. The prescription is given for my benefit. My doctor doesn't write me a prescription because it'll make him feel better. He writes it for 
the good of, of his patients. Prayer is the ultimate prescription for Christians. It's the ultimate way that, that we are remade, that we communicate with God, that we experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. There is something about being with the Lord that just really changes us and really changes our circumstances. There have been so many times when I have come to prayer angry, frustrated, confused, lonely, depressed. And after really getting time with Jesus, I've gone away with, with perspective, clarity, peace, even joy. Right? Being with the Lord changes, changes things. Um, I think about a time <coughs> um, a couple of years ago, I was living with my sisters before we got married, and um, we had some extra space in our house, and a uh, friend who needed a more, what shall we say, positive uh, living situation. So uh, she couldn't help with rent or anything, but we had some extra space, so uh, my sister and I invited her to, to live with us. There was only one problem. She was allergic to dogs, and I had a dog. I was just talking with uh, one of you before uh, service about dogs. And, you know, some of these animals are very special to us. But she was in quite, quite a um, negative uh, living situation. And she figured, you know what? It's fine. I'll just take a Claritin every day for the rest of my life while I'm living with you. It'll be far better than, than where I was living before. So she moved in with us, and it was, a very, it was a very positive thing. It was good for us. It was really good for her. Um, it was going great. Until about two weeks later, she started to develop these hives just all up and down her legs. Super itchy. She couldn't sleep. It was really, it was, it was miserable. Um, I gave my dog many baths, many baths. Uh, we weren't quite sure if it was because of the dog or not, but that's the most likely situation. And, um, you know, I thought, you know, people are more important than animals. This is pretty much the world's best dog. Everyone would want her. I'm sure I can find a very good home for her. And so I was just praying and saying, you know, God, should I, should I give up this dog who I really love? Uh, this is my friend. This is much more important. Um, and just felt the Lord saying, no, you know, ho hold off on this. So um, my sister and this friend and I uh, were just praying one night, and we really prayed for God to intervene in this situation. You know, we really, this is our living situation. It's important. Um, it was really restorative uh, for her and for us. We just prayed for God's fullness of salvation to come in and, and to intervene and to, to work in our lives, uh, to work in her body, to heal her, um, and to work in our, in our living environment. She went to bed that night, slept through the night, got up the next morning, and never had those hives again. God intervenes, right? Um, I gained clarity and perspective from being with God. I heard from him. God healed her. And God really restored the situation to be something good and positive for all of us. Prayer really is God's prescription for us, for us spiritually and for us just overall as human beings to restore us, um, to work health and vitality in us, 
to really restore us to the good plans that he has for us. It's how we connect to God. It's how we hear from him. It's how we receive from him. And it's ultimately how God's will gets done on earth. So as we move into a uh, time of worship, um, just a couple of questions for us that I've been thinking over um, as I pray for uh, this time and um, pray for my own prayer life and reflect on that. Um, So the first one is, uh, it's not so much of an invitation as as a question. Um, How is our hearing? How are we doing tuning in in that radio metaphor? Is there a lot of static? Are there things that are really making it hard for us to to tune into the voice of God and to hear from God? The second one uh, really is, this is an invitation uh, to live out prayer as a prescription for help, not a job description. Um, To not see prayer as this obligation. Yes, now I have to to get up early and to to spend time praying or or now I must pray about this because if I don't, you know, something good might not happen but really to see it as a joyful invitation um, to really, yeah, restore the joy of communicating with God through prayer. So I really feel like that's, that's an invitation uh, that the Holy Spirit has for some of us this morning to really restore the joy and that the joy of just coming freely and openly to God our Father and just saying, Let's pray. Let's spend time together. You know, whether that fits certain requirements or your own expectations of what a really spiritual person like yourself should do at this point in time, but just really restore the joy of prayer. And that is an invitation from God, not a rule or a job description. And then this last one, I think, uh, takes a little bit more uh, explaining, but as I was praying about this um, before preaching. I was just thinking about Jesus in the garden in his, in his darkest, hardest time and how he was really praying into and moving into the resurrection and full salvation for all of humanity. And I just feel like for me personally, when I am in a hard, dark place of struggle, my prayers become more like survival prayers. More like bare minimum sustenance prayer. My prayer becomes, dear Jesus, let this be as least horrible as possible. And that's really not what God wants for us. God wants us to be leaning into the fullness and the goodness of what he has for us, even in some really dark, desperate places uh, of struggle. Um, To not be not be really backing off into, into some of those bare minimum prayers, but really leaning into the fullness and the goodness of what he has for us. So would you pray with me as we, as we end and as the worship team uh, comes up? Hmm. Jesus, we do thank you this morning that you invite us into relationship with you, that you invite us to just talk with you, communicate with you. And I do pray, Jesus, that there would be real joy in that this morning, that we would just know who our Heavenly Father is, know how much He loves us, 
how much he desires good for us. Know who you are, Lord God. And that we would just, we would um, experience your invitation to prayer. Your invitation to come close to you. In dark times and times of struggle, those prayers that we seem to have just prayed again and again, like, Jesus, why isn't, why is this still so hard? And we feel that invitation to come to you, to receive sustenance, to receive life, to receive the sweetness of your spirit and your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Would you do a new thing in prayer? In our lives, would you do a new thing in prayer in my life, Jesus? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.